Praise the Lord, everyone. I am honored um, and privileged always to come and bring the word before you. And I will tell you, for me, what, what always speaks the most in my life is what I'm going through or what is in, on my heart because that's, that's usually where the Lord is trying to teach me and hone me and make me better. So if this is not for you, that's okay. I'm going to tell you the lesson was for me, if for no one else. And so my title this evening is Getting Flooded When You're Flooded. That is my title, Getting Flooded when you're flooded, and I want to start, and, and I will tell you, I'm reading from the Amplified, and you don't have to. I just, I like it because it has a lot of different synonyms from the original um, translation, so that's, that's why I like it. But you, you are welcome to read from whatever version you have, but I'm starting at Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 24 is where I'm going to begin. So Matthew 7, 24, so everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them, obeying them, will be like a sensible, prudent, practical, wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a stupid, foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great and complete was the fall of it. Now, I want to talk for just a moment about that segment of Scripture. And if you want to take it, you can take the first two as one little story, if you will. And you can take the second two verses as the second little story. So the first story is about the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came, and the floods came, the winds blew but the house remained because it was built on the rock. And we know this story. This is, this is a beautiful story, and it's really a foundational story that we use about living your life in service to the Lord, building your life on God, trying to make him your secure foundation, him being your cornerstone. And we know about that. But I feel like this is so much more than just building our life on the Lord. Certainly it's that. But I want to talk about the part that to me is really powerful, which is where it says the rains came, the floods came, the wind blew. It wasn't they might come. We had a lot of rain today, tornado sirens going off. I don't know if you heard them early this morning, but I mean, the rains came, the lightning came. The winds blew. It wasn't a question in this scripture as to whether or not the winds were going to come, as to whether or not the floods were going to come. They came. They came for the man who built his house on the rock, 
And they came for the man who built his house on the sand. They came for both men. Both got the same rain. Both got the same flood. Both got the same wind. And I think in our lives, and I can tell you, sometimes we look at circumstances and we go, that's the flood, you know, the thing. So, for example, you all know, we, we still struggle with David's health. That's an external thing that you could say that is the flood in our life. That's the thing. We're not, we're not, we haven't been able to fully put that on the shelf and go, we're walking away from that. That's the, the tap is turned off. It's not turned off. However, that's not the only flood that we deal with. Where the real flood is, the flood that comes, the rains that fall, the wind that blows. You can look at an external circumstance and go, but if this could change, then it wouldn't be. But I'm going to tell you, we are in the hour where there's going to be a flood regardless of the external circumstance, regardless of where you're building your house, regardless of what you've done on the outside, the rains are coming, the winds are blowing, the floods are rising, the waters are there. And the question then becomes is, what is the security that we have when they do come? That's why it's important about where did we build did we build on the rock or did we build on the sand? Because I can tell you in this hour, for me, I, I, I was at work today and um, I, I, we've already, my, my caseload right now is, is just out of control. And I do believe that it's just the season of the, I, I, I really do believe that it's, it's the weariness that the enemy tries to put in our lives. <laughs> Where it's like, if I can't get you this way, I'm going to just wear you down. You know, I'm just going to wear you down. And so my paralegal, she said, you cannot, we cannot take any, we cannot take any more of this case. We just cannot do it. We're at maximum capacity. And that for me, it makes me, I don't like that because I, I feel the, the pressure of trying to make sure that, you know, I'm doing good work and that we're generating and, and, and it's just part of your mentality. I mean, when you, when you know working is, is vital to, to living, you, you are willing to say, yes, I'll stretch myself, though, because I need to make sure that we're still on top of things. But she said, we can't, you know, we just can't do any more. So she had informed our, the rest of the staff, we, we can't, she and I cannot take any more of a particular case because we're, we're at maximum. And so now all of my cases are being filtered to be something that would be quick and in and out and you're done just so that we can get, our, you know, our feet under us. And yet today, I didn't even get to tell my family this, I had an appointment that was supposed to be simple and nothing and everyone who came into the appointment thought that it was simple and nothing. It wasn't like somebody was trying to play a trick on me except for the devil, <laughs> and it was not simple. It's one of the most complicated cases now that I have right on my table, and it's not a situation where I was able to say no because I can fix it. So I'm, I'm having to deal with now a very complicated situation that I was not expecting to deal with, and, and my paralegal's pulling her hair out because we're both feeling flooded, 
We're both feeling the rain. We're both feeling the storm. We're both feeling those things. And I can tell you, I feel like that's this hour is the rains are coming. The winds are blowing. The storms are happening. And, and it's going to come. And it's the question of, is the house going to fall? Is the house going to fall? And I'm here to say, my house is not going to fall. It may be battered. We may come in across the finish line limping, but I'm crossing the line. I'm crossing the line. And so I want to move to Psalms 69, starting at verse 1, and we're going to go verse 1 through 3. Psalm 69, 1 through 3. Save me, O God. This is, this is, this is, this is like my personal testimony. For the waters have come up to my neck. They threaten my life. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. Have you ever felt like you're, you're just, not only are you going, I, I cannot hardly, I can't hardly breathe, but then my feet. Have you ever been stuck in mud where you just, it's sucking, sucking you back down. And so I imagine this, this dual situation where you're almost drowning, but you can't hardly move forward to get out of the water where it's just neck high. I've come into deep waters where the floods overwhelm me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes fail with waiting hopefully for my God. Have you ever felt that way? Where you just go, I... I I don't know what else to do. It's, it's up to here, God. It's up to here. And, and my feet are just sucking in. And I can't get to the shore because I'm in these deep waters. This is real. David, a man after God's own heart. He's, he's telling it. I think sometimes we forget. It's like, it's like this is the first time. That, that there's ever been hardship. It's like, we think I sometimes, I, I do. I'm going to just tell you, I do. Sometimes I look at the characters in the Bible and I think, you were mighty men and women of valor. And you just, <laughs> you had the strength and the faith and the perseverance to just go forth and really uh, make it. But you know, I'm encouraged in, in reality to read some of this real, the humanity of David. To go, this, this man, he's speaking, he's speaking my heart. There's times where you go, I'm just weary. I'm weary with it. I'm waiting, hopefully. I'm, I'm with you, God. I'm trying to build my house on the rock, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I can't hardly breathe. But this is where... We can talk about for ages and ages and ages all of the things, the externals that, that deal with the internal, the things where you go like it's just in my mind and sometimes you can say just, you know, the hamster wheel and I don't feel like I'm getting off of it and, you know, it's just <gasps> almost a panic attack. Sometimes it really is a panic attack for, you know, it can become that because just the pressure, life, things, that's real. And yet... We can choose the flood. We know the flood is coming. 
but we can choose not only to build on the rock, but we can also choose the water that's going to flood us. That, I think, is the most encouraging word. The rains are going to come. The wind is going to blow. But you know what kind of wind I want? I want the wind that's the breath of God that's separating the waters and allowing me to cross over dry ground. I want, when it's the rain, I want it to be the rain of harvest that's going to grow something in my life. If I'm going to be flooded, I want it to be the flood of the Holy Ghost so that I have no room to contain any more of his spirit, I'm overflowing with his flood. I can choose because the floods will come, but we can choose. We can choose the kind of water that we're getting. We can choose. Why do I say that? Because let's go to the word. Ephesians 3, 19. So these are the ways that we can get flooded. So the first way, Ephesians 3, 19, that you may really come to know Practically, through experience for yourselves, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence, and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. So the first thing is, the experience of God, the experience of the flood. And you can say, well, what is that? That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost being flooded with him. And if you go, listen, it, it's been a while since I've been flooded. Every day is a good time. It doesn't have to be a church day. You can be flooded with his spirit anytime, any day, at any moment. You, all you have to do is just reach out. He is there to flood you. That's the first way, is you go, I want to be flooded on the inside. I want to experience that flood and be fully filled up on the inside. And you know what? When you are flooded with Jesus, it's pretty hard to be flooded with all those other negative things that are in your heart and in your mind. There's no space for it. When you start experiencing the love inside, strong and boiling up and bubbling over, you know what's hard? For there to be space for a whole lot of much else. To, I mean, listen, in a very real sense, tell me, when you are really excited about something, it's kind of hard to burst that bubble in that moment. You get a really great gift, or you're really surprised about something exciting, or, oh, listen, for me, a really good meal... <laughs> And you go, oh, that right there, that is delicious. In that moment, and you can say, but it's just a short, teeny, tiny moment. That's because it's flesh stuff. Okay, spirit stuff can last a whole lot longer. But in that teeny, tiny, tiny moment of your flesh thing, you, I think we can all attest to there's that, that, just that sliver where you go, this is just fabulous. Or, listen, you go on vacation, and you, everything could have been going wrong, but you're on vacation, and you walk into your room. It doesn't even matter what the room looks like, and you go, oh, vacation. And the rest of the vacation could be the pits. I mean, you could, you could get mad. It could be all kinds of things. But for a split second, you go, oh, I'm really excited. 
the flesh. How much more when we are flooded with Jesus does that do for us when we are in the midst of a flood of something else? How much more peace, how much more tranquility, how much more joy, how much more overflow can we receive when we are experiencing that flood inside? That's the first kind of flood that we can, that we can receive and should receive on a regular basis because I can tell you, when we're trying to combat what the enemy is flooding us with, that is, that is the only answer is Jesus. It is the rock. Isaiah 59 and 19 So as the result of the Messiah's intervention, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and put him to flight for he will come like a rushing stream which the breath of the Lord drives. So the next way that we experience the flood of Jesus is just to stand still and to trust. That's the next way because it did not say that we're supposed to be the breath of God. It did not say that we're supposed to go out and dig ditches. I think sometimes, and, and, and I can tell you for my own part, I feel like I have to manage things. You know, maybe it's a woman's, maybe it's a woman's personality, but you feel like, I'm going to fix this, okay? I'm going to get out there and I'm going to fix this, okay? This is an issue, but fear not, fear not. Listen, listen, Sheena is on the job. Do not worry, okay? It's fine, 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 fine. You know, oh, you need something? Got it. Managed. We got this. Okay? Do, do not worry. It's not, fear not, I am the Lord. I am with thee. Fear not, Sheena has this under control. And you know what? Sheena does not have it under control. She, she does not have the breath of God. Because when the enemy comes in like a flood, which he will, it says he will. It doesn't say if, it says when it says the Lord will lift up a standard. The spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard and put him to flight. So it's going to be like a stream because of his breath. Not, he doesn't just necessarily go away. That's the other thing is sometimes I think we look at circumstances in our lives and we go, but God, why didn't you just make it just go away altogether? Here's the thing. I don't have an answer for that always. And I don't know that that's the right question. I think the right actually thing that we should be saying in that moment is, I'm thankful God for your breath. That instead of it being a flood, it's just a stream that passes by. That's all. Why is it a stream and not, you know, a vapor and just gone? Well, you know, if you, if you actually want to ask me what my opinion is, 
is, and, and, I, and I, I have scripture to back it up, but I mean, the Lord knows I could be wrong and I'm, I'm willing to take it because here's the thing though. I think God allows those moments to happen to us so that we have a testimony later. How can we testify to his goodness if he just makes everything disappear so that we can't say, you know, in that moment the enemy was coming in like a flood, but I'm going to tell you, the breath of God came in and he just came by like a little stream. It still touched me. I felt it. But it did not overwhelm me. And so I have a testimony. That to me is, is something that the Lord does to grow us in him. Without those opportunities, how can we testify to his goodness? How can we know? So that's the next, that's the next type of flood is just allowing God to be God. And not trying to force or control the situations in our lives. Because I'm going to tell you, when, when God himself is standing with you, and you can say, well, what if the flood of circumstances is created by me? If you're trying to walk with the Lord, he can still fix those too. He's the author and the finisher of all things. And if you bring it to him, he can finish it. He can finish it. Ephesians 1 uh, starting at verse 17 and going through uh, verse 23. So Ephesians 1, 17 through 23. The next type of flood. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So what is this? That's, that's directly in our mind. Wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. By having oh, the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you, and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones, and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age and the world which are to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercise through the church. I'm going to tell you, when you have the flood of knowledge of how big God is, of his control over everything in this age and the next age and over all dominion. He has all dominion. He has all power. You know, there are very few things that you should be afraid of. 
There are very few things that you should be anxious of. You can go, that is my daddy. He is in charge. And it doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter who is in another country threatening war and annihilation for all of our people. What did it say? He has dominion and authority over all titles conferred now in this age, in this world, or in the next age, in the next age to come. He is in control of all of it. So the things that start flooding your mind come under the submission of God when you allow him to flood your mind with knowledge of his supreme greatness. His supremacy. I find that to be one of the most encouraging things because I can tell you, I remember, I remember as a, as a, as a child, and, and I think we all probably have at least maybe a story, if it's not your own parent, someone in your life, I, I, I would think, I hope, maybe a teacher, somebody. But I remember as a child when I went to my mom or my dad and I said such and such happened, I remember a few occasions. I can, I can, I can think of the almost the exact story when things happen, and 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 my mom and my dad both. And and here's the thing: a, a lot of times, you 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 maybe could could visualize it it better with my mom. But I'm going to tell you, I've seen both of my parents rise up on my behalf or on my sister's behalf, and they're. There's something as a child that's extremely both frightening and wonderful. You're just like, sick them. Get them. <laughs> and you just feel all of a sudden empowered in a, in a way that a small child isn't normally empowered. Because you're like, oh, my mama and daddy are mad at you. You shouldn't have done that to me. You've unleashed something. <laughs> and there's sort of an exhilaration because where you felt like you were wounded, I, I listen, I remember circumstances as a small child where my feelings were hurt. But hearing my parents, they were going to deal with it. My feelings weren't so badly wounded because I knew somebody was going to be in trouble and it wasn't me. <laughs> somebody else. And it was on my behalf. And that's what God wants to do for us. Those floods that come in in our mind and in our spirit and in our lives, they're sent to rattle us. They are sent to make us feel hurt and shame and depression and anxiety fill in the blank those things because what is the enemy's job we know three things steal kill and destroy let me tell you what destruction is worse than killing what that is is stamping you out of existence complete annihilation okay how would he accomplish that if not trying to do it right here that's the start. That's the start of it. 
And so what God wants to do is he wants to say, I, I want to flood your mind. I want to give you the knowledge of who I am and my greatness because it's like a parent saying, I know you did not say that to my child. I know you did not do that. My, both of my children know. I've, I've, I've made it very clear to them. You let me know, if so, I'll deal with it. I'm not afraid. Those are my babies. If I'm out in public and I see somebody, uh, listen, we were in Israel. I saw a young man. My daughter is 12, okay? She's lovely. She's sweet. She is innocent. She has no idea, okay? We're in Israel, and I see a young man who looks to be maybe 17-ish. And I see him from where I'm standing. Look at my girl. And I'm watching. He does not see me watching him watching her. But I'm watching. And he looks at my girl. And he kind of like walks over to her. And he starts talking to her. And he's smiling at her. And my girl, who is sweet and innocent and doesn't know, she just thinks it's just, he's just so nice. And so she's just lovely back. And so I, who am also very lovely... I walk over and I smile my lovely smile. And you know that young man was done talking to my daughter in that moment. And she did not know. I did not shame her. I did not say you need to walk 10 paces back away. I didn't have to. I just was present. But I can tell you, she always feels safe when I am around and when my husband and when our family, because we are there and she knows she has a covering. She knows. She feels that. And I'm going to tell you, when we allow the knowledge of Christ to be in, flooded in our minds and in our hearts, we feel that. We can go into situations and the enemy may try to weasel his little way. He may try to smile and grin and talk to us. But it's like the Holy Ghost is just like, you talking to my kid? Just checking. I think you have somewhere to be, don't you? Go. If we would do it for our own children, how much more would the Lord do it for us? We who are imperfect, how much more? How much more? Psalms 93, 1 through 5. And I say this scripture because this is, this is really an answer to, to David. Okay, it's the entire chapter of Psalms 93 because it's only five verses, but this is David's response. This is powerful. The Lord reigns. He had already been talking about 
being neck deep with water. He had talked about slogging through stuff, my hope. But here he goes, the Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. David had a head change. The Lord is robed. He has girded himself with strength and power. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up the roaring of their waves. The Lord on high is mightier and more glorious than the noise of many waters. Yes, than the mighty breakers and the waves of the sea. Your testimonies are very sure. Holiness apparent in separation from sin with simple trust and hearty obedience is becoming to your house, O Lord, forever. That's the next way to be flooded is to listen to the right voice. You may hear the noise of many waters. You may hear the floods. You can hear the waters and the waves and the crashing. But the Lord's voice is mightier than those floods. If you're listening to his voice, if you're listening to his word, if you're listening to the good testimonies, if you're saying, Lord, I just, I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to be obedient God himself is going to flood you with a reminder of his goodness and he's going to establish you in his house. And finally, I want to go to Isaiah. And I have two sections in Isaiah. And, and, and I think what's powerful about Isaiah is I think sometimes we forget about the prosperity of the flood. Because just being flooded with God, he doesn't just flood us with his goodness. He prospers us with his flood. With his spirit, there is a harvest. So Isaiah 32 and 20. Happy and fortunate are you who cast your seed upon all waters. When the river overflows its banks, for the seed will sink into the mud. And when the waters subside... The plant will spring up. You will find it after many days and reap an abundant harvest. I'm going to tell you, anything that you give to the Lord, when you say, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm, I'm flooded and I feel so many things, if you're still casting your seed, God will give you a harvest. If you are still faithful and say, I, I don't even know where it goes, where's the seed going to go? When the waters subside, because they will subside. When things settle down because they will settle down, God himself is going to produce a harvest from the seeds that you were still casting just in faith. Just in faith. Because that's a result of his flood, of his water. It does not come back to us void. When we give something to the Lord, he produces something wonderful and abundant from it. Isaiah 27, and these are my final two verses right here. Isaiah 27 Verse 12 and 13. And it shall be in that day that the Lord will thresh out his grain from the flood of the river Euphrates to the brook of Egypt, and you will be gathered one by one to one another, O children of Israel. 
And it shall be in that day that a great trumpet will be blown. And they will come who were lost and ready to perish in the land of Assyria and those who were driven out to the land of Egypt and they will worship the Lord on the holy mountain at Jerusalem. I'm going to tell you what, we're going to experience the floods until the end. That I think we know. But if we will allow ourselves to be flooded by his spirit in the end, he's going to gather us as his harvest He's going to gather us, and we, even if we've been driven out, even if we've almost perished, he is the great farmer at the end, gathering us in, and when the trumpet blows, we are the ones who get to receive the great inheritance. I, I hope very much, and, and, and again, if, if, this, if this was only for me, I, I can tell you it, it, it was something that has been weighing on my heart because I do feel that we are in a time of great Flood, great stress, great turmoil, great pressing and intensity and, and, and so much of life. And I think the enemy is trying to weary us. And you can say, weary and well-doing? It, it's still weary. You're still weary. That's the, part that's, <laughs> that's the part that's still there is just being tired. And yet God, in all of his goodness... He's willing to be the rain instead of the other things so that instead of it being something that's awful and overwhelming, he can fill us up with his spirit. He can fill us up with his goodness. He can fill us up with his knowledge. He can fill us up with his supremacy over everything, reminding us that really all in all is still going to be okay. It's still fine because at the end, we get to be part of that harvest, not only in planting, but he gets to take us in as his own harvest. And I think that's beautiful. If we could just all stand and let, let's just come. Let's just, let's just allow the Lord, if you've got things in your life going on, if it feels like a season or just this week or this day, I think the Lord wants to give us a refreshing and fill us with his waters, his overflowing. And I, and I do believe that God is, is trying to encourage our spirits. And, and I hope and pray that you are encouraged and refreshed this evening in the name of Jesus.